The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. We can do so much more. We can save this world. With the right leadership. And that'd be you, right, Ozzy? I mean, hell, you're the smartest man on the planet. Doesn't take a genius to see the world has problems. Yeah, but it takes a room full of morons to think they're small enough for you to handle. Justice matters. <laughs> Justice. Justice is coming to all of us. No matter what the fuck we do. You know, mankind's been trying to kill each other off since the beginning of time. Now, we finally have the power to finish the job. Ain't nothing gonna matter once those nukes start flying while we dust. Then Ozymandias here. Be the smartest man on the cinder. While I am standing still, I prefer the stillness here. Tired of Earth, these people. I'm tired of being caught in the tangle of their lives. They claim their labors are to build a heaven, yet their heaven is populated with horrors. Perhaps the world is not made. Perhaps nothing is made. A clock without a craftsman. It's too late. Always has been. Always will be too late. Happy heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. A good time to whip out some comedian and Dr. Manhattan from The Watchmen. Their message has always been relevant and Gnostic, but more pertinent recently as the egregore of Wotan spreads across the West. The Gnostic Nightmare is coming true, with a strong seasoning of Gen X warning. They robbed us of our freedoms. They injected us with needless fear. They locked us up to be possessed by digital poltergeists. And now they want to soak the skies with nuclear fury and reset our souls completely with global war. I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair must. But I do say no more than 10 to 20 million killed, tops, uh, depending on the break. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. You really are whipping out your dick fully in 2022, Yaldi Baldi. You want us on our knees, mouthful of spongeful obedience, looking up in worship at your lion face. What's so funny about Picus Dickus? No way, because we are like the comedian in The Watchmen. As Robert Frost said, Forgive, O Lord, my little jokes on thee, and I'll forgive thy great big one on me. And as Charlie Chaplin said, Life is a tragedy when seen in close-up, but a comedy in long shot. 
What happened to the American dream? What happened to the American dream? It came true. You're looking at it. We are also like Dr. Manhattan, seeing the whole repetitive picture, the long shot, because we've been around the coils of the Ouroboros so many times, we know every Archon trick and that rhyming history. I mean, the book of Revelation is not about the end of the world, but the end and beginning of so many worlds. And those four horsemen of the apocalypse keep riding across history that is a hologram of that one point when we forgot we were God and fell into matter. Remember when pain didn't exist? When everything was pleasure? Whoever has known this world has found a corpse. But this world is not worthy of those. We indeed mock the world like the comedian. Always in it, but never part of it. And we are cosmic and stoic like Dr. Manhattan. Also in it, but never part of it. We see the sad joke that is the universe, and we know it's too late for it. But we can make new worlds. You need to believe in things that aren't true. How else can they become? I have said before that there is no going back to any old normal. 2019 is never going to happen. Maybe it was because the star man David Bowie left. Maybe this is the aftershock of the Mayan 2012 apocalypse. Maybe our lizard overlords just got bored at the console of the simulation. Or maybe too many of us woke up in the internet age. Who knows? Regardless, the Demiurge and his butt slaves in the establishment are bringing down the hammer upon us once and for all. What the Matrix does, it weaponizes every idea, every dream, everything that's important to us. But don't despair. Don't be afraid, for you were made for this age of Hermes. You've been through so much, and now it's time to shine like a crazy diamond. Show them that in the broken places, you found the Philosopher's Stone and your authentic self. We'll light this darkening world ruled by psychopaths and technocrats. Bring new meaning and new possibilities. So don't despair and don't be afraid. It's gonna be alright. It may not be the best time to be alive, but it's the best time to be awake. The game hasn't changed, you see, and it's all about the inner journey. Eternity hasn't gone anywhere, never has. It's still there for your taking. The Divine does not reach out to us from a cosmic beyond. Our souls are secret entities which nest inside our skin. If the body shells the soul, and the soul is divine ground, then God is earth. God is us. God is all around. Woo! Going on a drivel rant here. Let me calm down and let's talk about our topic, which I promise you is relevant. The title is... Homo Divinus and the Fall of Atlantis. 
Our astral guest is someone I've known for many years, one of the coolest and smartest individuals I've ever encountered. A good man and a polymath in many ways. He goes by Grandpong on the internets and has written a very popular series on Reddit on the truth about Atlantis and the truth about who really pulls the strings of humanity. You'll be blown away by his findings, Ase Ase. My girlfriends and I, we're going to go on a search for the lost city of Atlantis. We've discussed Atlantis aplenty on Aeon Bite, and we'll continue to. Why? Because, whether you take it metaphorically or historically, each one of us is in some way in a state of trauma that needs to be addressed. We carry trauma after falling into this world, cast in the flesh with our birth. We carry childhood trauma. And we likely carry trauma when Atlantis fell in some dream, the great symbol of civilization and its people discarding so much potential. The perennial failure of Atlantis, its archetypal conflict and massive destruction sits in every person's DNA. It destabilizes society, always wanting to fix things through war and conquest. In a dark paradox, we repeat the mistakes while trying to fix them. I want peace on earth and goodwill toward men. We are the United States government. We don't do that sort of thing. Just gonna have to try. What's more, we carry trauma from our ancestors, from our past existences, from the collapse of stars. Everything is connected, don't you see? And the Archons taught us not to look at the past, not at that connection. Not to heal by integrating our pain. Not to change history by simply loving backward and releasing trapped ghosts in history. As the Gospel of Thomas says, The disciples said to Jesus, Tell us, how will our end come? Jesus said, Have you found the beginning, then? that you are looking for the end? You see, the end will be where the beginning is. Congratulations to the one who stands at the beginning. That one will know the end and will not taste death. Do you believe in time travel? As I told Riz Verk in a past interview, and is displayed by the quote, maybe the Gnostics created many versions of the past because like Philip K. Dick and modern physicists, they saw the past as an ever-changing stream of variables and alternative dimensional currents. Thus, the Gnostics saw that perhaps the past could be healed like a benign Mandela effect. Or, at least, there is always more to the past than what our minds and the authors of history have told us. It's this thing, the multiple worlds theory. Every event that things we do, there's like a million possible outcomes. Choices. Choices. And the theory is that each outcome actually happens. Hmm? Like a tree growing branches, and each branch is like an alternate timeline. Alan Moore, in a special edition of The Watchmen, did say, All history is fiction. And as Jesus says in the quote I mentioned, everything is cyclical. That rhyming history. So by going to the beginning, 
you go full circle in the coils of the Ouroboros and you start again. But knowing this time, everything at once. Or as Pinocchio said, echoing the Gospel of Thomas, go to the beginning to get to the end. Find out what is real to know the pretend. And what if you could go back in time and take all those hours of pain and darkness and replace them with something better? Atlantis is in there somewhere, as a true event or symbol or whatever, but it's there and we must face it. Or the wars will never end and the oppression will only get worse, inside and outside of us. But you knew this. You laugh like the comedian and detach like Dr. Manhattan, telling Yaldivaldi to suck his own dick like the Ouroboros. You knew and know the words of David Graeber, who said, The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. Free your mind. Let us to our interview with Grandpong. Write your own gospel, live your own myth. Lessons in Time Travel, Chapter Zero. Who we were does not dictate who we will be. But often, it's a pretty good indication. Time travel does not give one the opportunity to change oneself, but rather to eradicate oneself and allow something else to form in the wake of what once was. And in this is a sort of grace or madness. Because if we don't believe in change, then we don't believe in time. This is the Aeon Bide interview. And with us, we have the pleasure of having Graham to the podcast. And I'm very excited about this. Uh, Graham has known me for a long time. In fact, he knew me before I was into Gnosticism or in the old days of PHP forums. He knew me when I was just a a good old um, ecumenical New Age Catholic. So he saw me and we saw me sort of go into heresy and he's somebody that I've interacted with through the years and whose ideas certainly helped me get a wider appreciation of religion, metaphysics, and uh, definitely science. So, uh, Graham, thanks for coming on the show. It's uh, overdue, but it's great to talk to you here in the, at Aeon Byte. Absolutely my pleasure, Miguel. And uh, yeah, back uh, we met back when uh, John Kerry was getting swift-boated. And uh, <laughs> as, again, I think as we joked about... Uh, you know, we were used to, you know, kick around the hip cesareans. The problem is, you know, trying to find one to kick around. <laughs> yes, those were the days. I was uh, sort of already uh, slipping. I'd already slipped from my insane days of uh, being a neocon. I was uh, 
traveling through the libertarian circles, but uh, soon after I just became independent and apolitical and an agorist anarchist. So, but it's nice that, uh, you know, we can have all these relationships and still talk in these days. Uh, but, uh, and with us, with us too, we've got the Moondog Vans. Vans, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm looking forward to an interesting conversation. You know, I've got here my uh, my anarchist association card that I'm ready to tear up, and uh, <laughs> uh, I think uh, it'll be fun. Good deal. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. So I guess we should start with how it happened and some of your ideas or the proverbial light bulbs. Uh, you have written some incredible posts on Reddit. Uh, which I have really enjoyed. And basically, when did it start? I guess it started, what, when the pandemic hit the world? No, no. Actually, the, the, the pandemic put it more or less, that, that, that hit it at, 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 right at the tail end of a lot of oh. my posts. I, uh, no, it was early 2019 was when it, it really started. And that was uh, 2019 started out with uh, just a very surreal personal tragedy for me. And, you know, after I went through that one, I just, I needed a uh, palate and spirit, you know, it's just sort of just a cleanser for everything to get my mind off of that. And that's where I've been reading about the uh, jade bracelet they had found in the Altai Mountains that showed uh, clear signs of high-speed drilling and the bracelet was dated to 60,000 years ago. And it was also linked to this new um, subspecies of hominid called the Denisovans. And it was like, you know what? That is as disconnected from my everyday real life or what I just went through. That seems like it's just a thing to just investigate. Mm. You know, and that, that's yeah. kind of how it kicked off. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, how much you know about the, you know, the whole Altai Mountain area and, no. You know, it's history as far as origins of humanity and spiritual history and all. Well, from well, maybe we can work on the theory, and uh, that's where the where are the gaps that you see with the the beginning of uh, Homo sapiens and uh, the hominids and all that. Maybe let the audience know what a hundred thousand years or more. Oh, much, much, much before that one. What what happened was. I decided that uh, we're looking at 70,000 years there. I just decided to go back to the last common ancestor between uh, Homo sapiens and uh, chimpanzees and bonobos, which was roughly uh, 6 million years ago. And sort of figured, let, let's, you know, I, I put, sort of pieced together the general, you know, the general out of Africa evolution model, pulled together the, uh, climatological and, and paleo, you know, all, all, all the scientific records that, that I needed and, and just to evaluate that all and started to just basically try to piece together, you know, what actually happened there. And the first one I came up with is the, a lot of the separation came via the uh, dried out Mediterranean during the uh, Mycenaean uh, salinity crisis when the Mediterranean basically dried off. And you had, uh, it's like the Nile River Valley was uh, a canyon that was deeper than the Grand Canyon. And you ended up, it ended with waterfalls like coming over the Straits of Gibraltar. They, they were mile high, gigantic waterfalls. And it's like, 
oh, this is a great story. I was going to write that one. And I was, you know, kept going on that one. I kept piecing it together. And, you know, because I got six million dollars, six million years of story, you know, time to cover. Yeah. And a lot of that was very, very boring time. <laughs> so you only really want to hit the highlights. So, you know, and I, I was just, you know, filling different different pieces there. And I was putting together the various, you know, themes. It's like you got disasters with, you know, floods and water and, you know, impacts and, you know, volcanoes, all that sort of fun stuff. And, uh, you know, and I was sitting there and working on the Ice Age and you had the um, the uh, Younger Dryas impact event, which was uh, they, they tracked to the Hiawatha crater in uh, Greenland. And I want to say that was uh, 12,800 12, B.C. And then you had um, or either that or uh, 12,800 years ago. I forget which one. And. Uh, and then you had, you know, you had Plato's Atlantis at, at 9600, you know, 9600 BC, which right. coincided totally with, you know, about a 400 foot rise in sea level and uh, the end of the last ice age. So I was sitting there, it's like, ah, oh, this is, you know, obviously that's one of those interesting time periods and things are changing. So I figured, okay, let me investigate this. We probably want to do, you know, some sort of story sort of setting in this one because I was kind of sort of going to tell my story of human history and I sat there and looked at it and the way it worked I, the way I figured it is no at the end of the, the at end of the ice age the Gulf Stream started again so I figured well what's a good way to start it giant bolus you know of water coming up there coming up from the south what's likely to cause it ah, Antarctica is down there you got all those ices Maybe you, you know, let's go with it, it, you know, an ass, you know, some sort of meteor impact that, you know, knocked a bunch of the ice sheet off. And that's what, you know, raised the, uh, raised the sea level, started the whole uh, Gulf Stream going. Seemed like a pretty good explanation for me. Right, yeah. So I sat there. Yeah. So I sat there and, you know, pulled up a lot of the, the, the satellite data and looked at it. And I figured, you know, somewhere between, you know, Africa and South America, since that, that's the place where the Gulf Stream's going, started looking there. And right in the middle of the Slusser Glacier, I found it's about, I'd say, 200 and something mile wide impact crater. And you can see the, uh, the center, the, the center, uh, oh, I forget what they're called, this, this, the center spires that come up from an impact. You've seen them on the moon craters. And you can see the walls, and it's like the glacier runs right through the middle of the crater where it breaks down the two walls. And I sat there, and it's like, oh, dear Lord, that's actually bigger than the one in Mexico that got tipped out the dinosaurs right where I was looking for. Mm, yeah. And there's the Wilkes mass, which they don't know exactly what to do with that, but it's a gravity anomaly. And that's on the other side. And I sat there and said, I realized, you know, as, I'm, as I sat there and said in the emails, as, you know, as a teenager, I'm first fandom of Van Daniken. I, I split between reading uh, Van Daniken and Hal Lindsey. I think, you know, ah, two sides. They keep me balanced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't lean too much. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I don't know if it keeps yeah, you sane, uh, though. I guess in the middle, you're uh, sane. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. Saying, saying is like normal. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what Jung yeah, said. Like Show me a sane don't... man and I'll cure him for you. <laughs> <sighs> no, no. So, you know, so, uh, you know, and I also remember the things like the, uh, you know, the flash frozen, you know, mammoths in Siberia, all that sort of stuff. And it's like, if you threw in this giant thing and it did that one, it would cause that, it could have caused that crush shift. And that mm. would explain a whole lot of the, uh, like I said, if all of a sudden in, in a matter of, you know, 45 minutes, the mammoth moved, you know, several hundred years towards where the, the North Pole is now, that explained the frost frozen. That explained like the jumbled blocks at uh, Puma Punku. Yeah. That, you know, would, you know, it, it, it explained a lot of the details and you know it, it, and again it's also it what i looked at again is i done the geological and, and the temperature modeling you had one of them at i think yeah that that's yeah it was like one of them at like 20 12 800 bc one of them at 96 and there was another major event in the middle which I'm starting to lean at this point in time to that being some sort of solar solar plasma event, but I don't really have enough data to come to any kind of conclusion. That's just a, you know just raw you know pulling out of thin air I guess. And uh, but it's like after the uh, the impact in 9600 BC, nothing. It's like a sheet of glass. It's like the people are worried about you know raising sea levels and climate on that one. They're not looking at what happened before for that mm. point in time because it, it was you know again you're talking it was 400 feet change of sea level in a matter of you know a few hundred years wow. yeah that's a that's some pretty intense disasters well we want to talk about what was behind that but before we want to i can't even say the climax of your your writing because your writing is just uh post and post after these uh uh, these amazing insights that just get they're just remain interesting and uh eye-opening but let's talk about uh the uh behind atlantis and this in your theory is basically you had a population of homo erectus traveling across the world all the way to sundaland and sahul maybe you tell maybe you tell the audience about that yeah, well, that, that's basically fancy terminology for uh, Australia yeah. and <laughs> Australia and Southeast Asia. Well, you sound smart <laughs> and educated. <laughs> no, I write smart and educated. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, basically Homo erectus was really an entirely different type of hominid than anything that had come before. And it, it, Homo erectus, basically it, it's before that the hominids were, were pretty much restricted just to Africa, but with, with a uh, Homo erectus, that's when they spread across, you know, across the, the, uh, through the, the, the arc over the Indian ocean to, to, to Southeast Asia in Australia, which was sea levels lower at that point in time, everything was connected. It was all just a walk. And th that happened right between 1.5 and about 1 million years ago. And we have records of, you know, Java man. So, so we know that uh, 
we know that that Homo erectus got down there. And what happened is right probably about a, a million years ago, the uh, like the Saudi Arabia and uh, a lot of the, the, the desertification of the, of, of the southern Middle East there around there, and it cut off the two um, populations of, hom of Homo erectus hominids at the time. And as anybody who studied biology knows, you get two different populations who are separated, each of them under, you know, different survival pressures, you end up with two different species. And we have a pretty decent record of what happened to, to the hominids in Africa, but it's like there's almost no research. It's, it's tough to find anything on what happened in, South, in the Southeast Asia area. And you have things like, you know, like the bones of a Peking man. Those have gone missing. You know, it's like researching into that one was really interesting because it's like a spy story because somebody reported back in like either the 70s or 80s that they had had some bones and they were willing to sell them for $5 million. <laughs> and that's where um, I was going to say with Peking Man, that's where uh, I'm sure you know uh, Telhard, they, um, Telhard uh, they, I forget how to pronounce his last name, Desjardins. Yeah, the the the, the Jesuit uh, priest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. he was. A, he, yeah, he was involved with that one, and he managed to get some of the bones to the uh, University of Uppsala. So that's where the like the only known bones of Peking man exist right now. And uh, you know, so it's like in my theory is you know we don't know what happened there, and this there's all this mysterious stuff. And where I came up with is the idea that they came up with, they became the first intelligent species. They basically, they beat, you know, Homo sapiens to the punch because we only look like we've been doing it for about uh, 10,000 years now. Yeah, agriculture started. Uh, it's like a reset, a reset after the, the 9,600 uh, impact, BC impact. And, but, you know, before that one, you had a million years for the, the Southeast Asia you know, contingent to uh, figure stuff out. And that was where I, I, I sat there and realized is, you know, the idea of immortality, the idea, you know, basically not necessarily physically, and that, that was my proof of concept. It's not necessarily physically living, living forever, but it's like we go to sleep, we wake up, we're still the same person in the morning, they would die and they would be get reborn and they basically still remember everything they knew in their permanent life with, you know, ways to do that. And yeah, this, why... uh, but I mean, this spark Graham is because as you write, um, they found a quote, they, uh, a treasure trove of complex chemical compounds that they found in Australia. And this helped advance or evolve incredibly, or it helped their evolution into this, as you call them, homo divinus. Yeah, well, that, that, that's my theory is the idea of you had three basically enormously fecund ecosystems going across the planet. You had the uh, the African rainforest system, you had the the Southeast Asia Sundaland system, and then you have the Amazon. 
and all of the research in there, the amount of biodiversity per acre, you know, in those areas is just ridiculous. And that's where that's where you have all sorts of just enormously novel, you know, natural chemical compounds that, you know, it might only happen in this one acre area. You know, it's like um, the uh, the delicacy back in the Roman era, the uh, syphilum. It was, uh, I want to say it was, it was something that they used in order to uh, season meat, and it was grown in, on the, the north shores of Africa around the, the Carthage area. And it was like very, very difficult, you know, very persnickety and difficult to grow, and it went extinct, I want to know, some, somewhere around 100 A.D., and, uh, but, you know, it's like, we lost that one. It's like, you know, Hey, that'd be really great to get back. But you know, these things happen. Right. And that's what I'm saying is, you know, that they should, they, they found something there and the, it, it enabled them to, uh, you know, continue from one, from one body to the next after, you know, through a rebirth, you know, again, it's no different than the, you know, you know, you know, transportation of souls after death, reincarnation right. concept. It's just, they're able to hold it through the bardo. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, so these individuals, Homo Divinus, like you said, separated from the regular Homo erectus, uh, evolved, and with time, plenty of time to do this too, they, in essence, became Atlantis, or that's the best working theory. They became this enlightened civilization before Homo, uh, us, Homo sapiens came into the picture. And we are in their picture. <laughs> right, right. Well, actually, it's one of those where, that, yeah, they were the first ones. They had a, an entire global global network set up. You know, Homo sapiens were only, what, you know, 250, 200,000, right. maybe 450,000 years, you know, somewhere around, around that sort of time frame. But what, what I had it going is they, they became a space-faring race. They figured out, you know, we've been able to, if we've been able to do it in, uh, you know, basically uh, 12,000 years, surely they could figure out something in 100,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would think or else you might want to check out. So, or... <laughs> and and that's, that's, where, that's where I incorporate the whole ancient astronaut theory into it, where, yeah, they were ancient astronauts. They were just hominids that left Earth and happened to be astronauts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes, I love it, because when I was reading your Reddit, it just made, uh, it flowed well, it's logical sense, it was scientific, it's got that mystic woo-woo that I like, but that sound, and, uh, but uh, the Homo sapiens, they created us, or we evolved separately? No, they ended up, well, Homo sapiens itself, I pretty much, it all fits pretty well with the whole biblical narrative slash um enuma elish i think that was the one yeah yeah where gene splicing in order to get miners in africa and uh you know michael tellinger has explored that you know beyond any depth i could hope to (laughs) hope (laughs) to touch but you know, and yeah, he he's done a great job there, and he he dates a lot of structures and things to, you know, hundred plus thousand years there that that mining structures, mines, it's 
Wow. Yes, yes, I'm familiar with that. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And uh, yeah, we weren't the only ones, as you write, uh, they uh, created a whole bunch of other uh, servants, didn't they? Like the Neanderthals and so forth. Yeah. That, well, I don't know if the Neanderthals were so much servants as my, my idea then is that they were primarily an offshoot, you know, a different Homo erectus mm-hmm. that got up there instead. And, you know, that that's some of where I... You know, I, I believe that, you know, and this ties into the whole hyperborea, um, you know, Ultima Thule sort of concept where you had Neanderthals having some sort of perhaps highly, you know, more, more, more technologically evolved bases, you know, perhaps back under the Barents Sea, because a lot of that would have been above water at 400 feet lower. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you always have, you know, again, you always have stories out of Russia, but there's stories out of Russia (laughs) and everybody knows Chekhov from Star Trek. Yes, we do. (laughs) But they're great stories. There can be a different, I was going to say, there could be a different version. You know, it's, uh, I was going to say, oh, what's his name with the alternate chronology out of Russia? Fomenko? The mathematician. Yeah, yeah for me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Nothing new <laughs> nothing new in Russia with having a different version of things. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and I love the story. So we've got the uh Homo Divinos and they're just going up the evolutionary ladder, they're gods, they got spaceships, uh, they got you know, guys working on their gardens like uh Enki would be proud of. And the Anunnaki and everything's going well. And then as you write, then something changed. They decide they're going to go, well, they're going to go, what they naturally would do is they're going to go into space and go explore. So this is the time where they said, what, we're, we, somebody, we got to leave somebody in charge. We got to leave, we got to give the keys to somebody for this earth. And they basically decided, they chose uh, 
they chose us, Homo, yeah, Homo sapien. Well, we, they were kind of stuck with us because it's sort of like, well, they're your pets. You got to deal with them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at my dog right now. I would do the same, baby. I would, <laughs> I would yeah, leave and, you and well with food and everything. <laughs> they, they were heading for the stars and they basically trained us to take over. They had an existing um, energy infrastructure where they basically, uh, and again, this is one that uh, it, it's, I, I have probably about a hundred or so snippets that I haven't figured out that there are varying degrees of, of uh, completion, but they basically, they, they use the, um, the pyramids and the earth's magnetic field. And it's basically, you know, how you generate an electric current by passing, you know, passing an object through a magnetic field. Right. That's what they did with the, that. They had a bunch of pyramids that were, that's why they had to do the impact in order to alter the crust is they had a bunch of look and uh, there wasn't so much those periods, but they had a bunch of locations set up around the equator that was taking advantage of that and setting up basically a, a low voltage, low energy grid across the earth that they could tap in for various purposes. And they had to, dis and they had to basically alter the alter the crust to alter the rotation to dismantle that grid. And basically, because humanity wasn't freaking mature enough to uh, handle, you know, that much power. The high technology. Yeah, but they're also much, but they also you, helped humanity by wiping out the other competing homos. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, that was the reason for the pyramids and all that to protect us when all, when these uh, disasters that they cause would bring a new world for us. Well, the pyramids, I don't know if I date them pre-impact uh, because of the alignment to the current, because of the current uh, crust situation. So I'm thinking those might have been some of the, you know, sort of like with Gobek, you know, kind of with right. the first constructions after the impact kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that was used in order to take into, and it was an old site that they put a new construction up on because there was still the existing, existing energy from the current grid setup. And with it, cause it still taps into the, the, the old grid setup. And so there's still going to be at least some output there. And that, you know, again, that was done by the, uh, you would have had the survivors again. Now you're talking, tapping into Thoth and the, the, you know, the survivors of Atlantis establishing, uh, you know, Egyptian civilization back then, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Homo Divinus was the ruler of Atlantis and the Homo sapiens. Again, they went to space. They created these disasters to wipe out our competition. And then they left us the, well, what we have today. They, well, they, have. They, left, they left a few. They left a few. But there were there were always the uh, a few behind. It's like again, that's the ones that got in trouble. You know, they wrote in the Book of Enoch as the watcher. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. Our favorite Those villains, are the villains that base. <laughs> Atlantis was not. What would you say? You say Atlantis was a city, or some said it was really more of an empire. I would describe it as more as an empire. Mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, put, and, you know, again, you, you have it, they had outposts all over the world. And, uh, you know, because basically it was mankind was all, you know, I, I should say 
back before before mankind, but it's like you know pretty much all hominids were they were all on the same page, mm-hmm. so there wasn't any real conflict and stuff. So, but I, I you got you got a certain amount of Atlantis in uh, Antarctica mm-hmm. because and uh, that was one of the, the the parallels that I draw later is. Asgard is also in Antarctica, and then you get the the the, uh, the, the you know the, the the rest of the equation in which you know Atlantis is Asgard, which starts to make sense, especially if you've never seen the Thor movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, because there's so many places where Atlantis could be, and the outpost idea makes perfect sense, especially when you start seeing all the clues and all the theories. So. Yeah, I love this theory. And Vance, uh, what do you think? Uh, what is your take so far? Well, I've always thought that, you know, there was so many years before modern history and, you know, that the, the uh, species in one form or another was there. So I always wondered uh, whether or not there were uh, other civilizations, you know, because they certainly had, like Graham says, they had enough time. So um, I'm wondering, though, like, where are, you know, where are they now? Are they come back? You know, is that what explains UFOs and, you know, the, the three or more species of aliens that come back and visit us? And are they coming back? You know, did they decide to, are they going to come take a look at what's going on and make some changes? You know, that's what I'm wondering. I was going to say, I, 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 I touched on that in the original piece. It's basically they never left. They just basically... Um, you hemorrhized. They became mortals. They they they're basically that they, they blend in now. They 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 look basically almost essentially the same as uh, as regular people. Well, they they are. It's it, it's almost the same genetic source. It's just they and as Miguel knows from a lot of the different studies. The various, you know, Rosicrucians, uh, Masons, all those sorts of ones is, you know, different techniques to hang on to consciousness through the Bardo, through various different lives and things like that is that's where a lot of them can be found. As well as a lot of country clubs, Point Paul. Is that why Henry Kissinger and George Soros seem to live forever? You know, Henry Kissinger. Keith Richards. What about Keith Richards? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about him. Right. (laughs) Keith is a whole different story. That's sort of along the lines of like, you know, mummification or some sort of, you know, chemical preservation that's happening with Keith, man. (laughs) Living mummy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder how long after Keith's body is dead, that Keith will realize it. <laughs> like Diary of a Yoga, when his body didn't decompose for a long time, for days. <laughs> oh, I, I lo- absolutely love the story of how he did his Masa Samade. Yeah. Where he sat there, it was, you know, did his poem in front of the, you know, the whole U.S. thing. And, right. and just basically put his head down and that was it. He was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, but but some but you saying some of them did leave to explore space, and some of them stayed. The advantage is that these individuals have uh, pure access to their minds, to consciousness, to the to the totality of what consciousness can be and should be. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many of them still have access to that anymore. 
but they do have, you know, it's one of those, they got something going on. It's, as I said, there is a lot of that whole, the, the rise of writing ties together with the whole, you know, fall of the elongated skull. Because again, another one I haven't put out there, the whole elongated skull was part of the remembering and linked to the remembering past lives. That's via the uh, access to the uh, the Bindu chakra. Oh, fascinating. That's the one that goes in where they the, 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 the little knot out the back of the uh, the, the Hindu that's, uh, right. that, that hits the same one. Yeah, no, that's the... Uh, no, that's a, an access to uh, past lives. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, there was an article I'd read uh, a couple of days ago about uh, DNA testing on some of those elongated skulls, and the, the, the article is claiming that it was not human DNA. Did you see that? Or have you heard? Yeah, about they, it? they. Yeah, no. They, they, I want to say the first time they had some DNA uh, DNA studies on that one was I want to say maybe about five six years ago was the first one and that's uh that's brian forrester who's the one who uh, championed the uh elongated skulls he's the he's the expert on that one you know down with the uh the caracas stuff in in south america right so uh so the audience can sort of relate about what's going on with homo divinus how was um as you write how does uh our great creator god and ruling god or yahweh and el and those cats how do they play into this they're actually trying to be our teachers right yes and no it's sort of like the whole greek pantheon and like the correlation between that and the zodiac it's sort of the you need to have you know how like like how a heat engine works, where you need to have both a heat source and a heat sink. Well, that's kind of how reality works. Is you need to have you know a power source and a power sink, mm-hmm. and both of them are the same thing. Both of them are are the source. It's just two different sides of the source, and we don't see it because the source is a, it's a dialectical monad, and yada yada yada. But um. Where some of that comes in is you're going to have to have somebody playing, you know, basically taking out the trash, mm-hmm. you know, doing the bad jobs. And when you're looking at it from a good perspective, that got doing it basically is like my definition of evil I steal from Jordan Peterson is the evil is, infli- is willfully inflicting needless harm. It's like, you know, Sometimes harm has to happen if it does, you know, it doesn't have to be more than the minimum amount. And if you're consciously, you know, even, you know, joyously getting pleasure out of more than the, the minimum amount of pain, that's evil. But sometimes pain has to happen. And too many people think any pain's evil. But at the same time, you also say that Homo Divinus achieved immortality before they achieved any morality. So it took them a long time to uh, sort of, um, I don't know, get some sort of empathy about what they're doing, even if they were, well, even at the time when they were uh, really our crazy gods, 
from the you know yeah. back then the pantheon yahweh all those cats <laughs> yeah well i was gonna say it's not too hard to imagine because you look at humanity how how many people you know back in the victorian era had these walls full of animal heads that you know people today couldn't imagine something like that happening you know yeah, just, oh even yeah. that's not even then i remember in the 70s being a small kid and my parents being very proud of their ivory tusks that they bought in africa and then a few years later dumping them out because something switched you know what i mean is like ivory good and then suddenly a few years later in 1980 oh my god this is immoral <laughs> it's very fast <laughs> yeah and in all honesty i don't understand getting rid of it because the animal's dead regardless you don't buy new ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is true but still well i don't know if they got rid of it but it wasn't on the wall i'll yeah. tell you that <laughs> it wasn't there oh, yeah, for, no, to no, impress no, I, guests or visitors <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that i think march shot ran into some issues with that with some of her uh, uh memorabilia from world yeah, war ii yeah. back when she <laughs> yeah 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 very true my god <laughs> it was it was fine in some circles just not all of them well, you know, um, it, uh, when there were fewer people on the planet, you could probably make do with uh, tusks from dead elephants and so forth. But when the demand grew, then they started killing live ones. Then we discovered that elephants were sentient creatures and so forth. So maybe that had something to do with the switch. Yeah, and, and that's the sort of, same sort of thing that I'm talking about happens with Homo sapiens. only they're playing with a whole lot more power. Mm, you know, it's yeah. like, man, you know, as a species, Homo sapiens didn't see anything wrong with that as a species we kind of do now same sort of thing you know we got powers before we had morality to handle that's but, for sure yeah but at the same time so they wanted to protect us and hang around those who stayed so basically keeping us to nurture us just so we could be better pets i mean or did they have some sort of divine plan for lack of better words the closest I can see is it looks like that the long-term plan is something along the lines of raising mankind up to their level and them basically meeting mankind in the middle, basically, you know, from where it used to be, you know, each of us taking, you know, haphazard, you know, halting step towards each other and getting closer and closer. And that's why, you know, we're all in the same, yeah. You know, all in the same country called a lot of the time. <laughs> they didn't agree either, did they? I mean, if you can believe, you know, the uh, Gilgamesh stories and the uh, ancient Mesopotamians and Sitchin and all this other stuff, that uh, there was a fight between them as to whether, uh, you know, humans good or, or is this, nah, just exploit them or, or help them or exploit them. Oh, exactly. Now, well, it's one of those things is you're you're always going to have at least two sides to any argument and yeah yeah <laughs> some of them are going to be in favor of you know each of them had their sort of assigned task kind of thing and yeah if your design is you know gold output that's one thing if it's you know you know condition of the earth you know sort of like like how we have to balance it you know the faster you know we can get you know stuff out of the earth faster but we're going to be more polluting and do more destruction you know, so it's kind of it's a trading off optimization and you're not going to figure out some way to do it well unless you have advocates for both for both sides. 
and you know works out for you know homo divinus just as well as homo sapiens yeah you Any think they ruined mars by the way do you think they made it to mars and then ruined it and that's why mars is such a mess i i think that there's a good possibility that there has something to do with that with mars i'm don't know for certain where that ties in but yeah it, it fits into there there as well something's going on on venus as well interesting and definitely the uh the, the one mar the one moon of mars looks pretty solid like you know the best fit for that one is probably some sort of artificial satellite i forget if that's phobos or the other one eros but well, it's the Soviets that they've tried to land things on it, and those things have blown up with strange pictures. <laughs> really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well, there was uh, there was uh, probably some sort of nuclear explosion or war in Mars. So the question is when it happened. Uh, seemed probably happened a long time ago. But um, and uh, just moving back, so the audience is clear, Graham. Who are the Nephilim, another favorite villain besides Archons and Demons and all those guys? Although they're kind of one and the same. I'm not sure exactly where the Nephilim totally fit in. It's like, do they correspond to the Yagigi? Or do they correspond more to the Anunnaki? And that's where the the, the translation from the, uh, you know, the Sumerian slash Akkadian slash Babylonian slash. (laughs) Right, right. All these tribes, yeah. Cultures. Yeah. Yeah, basically giant Mesopotamian, you know, we take over you and rewrite the myth. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Kind of like Rome, kind of like Rome did with Greece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one myth, it's Ishtar, and the next one, she's Inanna. Uh, Sekhmet, and you just kind of tweak things here. Ashira here, you just tweak things depending on yeah. on the story and the culture. Astarte, Astarte, uh, yeah. <laughs> Venus. <laughs> mm-hmm. How about genetic manipulation? Maybe uh, the Homo divinus decided to do some experimentation and crossbreed, uh, create new species or something. The Nephilim came out of that. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah and that's that. That's the. Um, if the Nephilim are the offspring, and that's where I'm going with the Nephilim more being giant, you know, m- more being sort of the giants. And, you know, it's one of those where one of it is there's a lot of different layers through which to interpret the Bible. And a lot of times there are multiple different truths. So it could be both, you know, a tribe in this interpretation and, you know, pre-flood giants in a different one you know entirely different time periods all referenced from the same bible verse that is true yeah and then on all the god when you talk all the legends and apocrypha rabbinic rabbinic lore it can get pretty can get pretty wild and uh well another person we definitely have to cover and that is the man himself jesus as you write, Jesus has, uh, what do you write, Graham? Jesus was a rare, doubly seeded superstar seed. So he was, uh, he was on the other team? The other team from, um, the way I, it's like, there's like, most people who are, you know, following the modern new age know the concept of starseed. No. So I decided to take it to the next level. And basically, it's the idea of um, 
these are almost in vitro super beings. You know, they basically, you know, extra powered, you know, you know, genetically, genetically designed. And, you know, that's where Mary fits in. That's where, you know, Buddha fits in. And I guess if you read the Buddha myth, it's the, they talk about how she's basically taken to this lake and this white elephant sticks its tusks into her side. And it's like, yeah, that sounds exactly like a, you know, a, a, a laparoscopic uh, surgery going on there and planning, you know, and planning something in the womb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And she was, Love it. and she gave birth, and you know, in what was a, a total miracle of the day, a <laughs> painless birth, no pain giving childbirth. Definitely sounds like, <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah, sounds yeah, like something's it. going on. <laughs> and that would include, of course, Gilgamesh and other famous figures of the ancient past. Well, Gilgamesh is far enough back that he just might be a natural descendant of them. Although for the life of me, I don't know how you get two thirds God. Just <laughs> yeah, that's usually you know a, a half, a fourth, <laughs> yeah, a thirty yeah. second to tap into a thirty second to tap into Indian tribe gambling money, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah, who knows? Or just declare it, identify with it, and you're it. So. Oh, well, and Gilgamesh. Oh, have they allowed transracial yet? Where it's like, you know, I identify as this race, so I get to be this race. Yeah, maybe that's what they did over there in those ancient times. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, these things are always cyclical. You push one side, you push another. It's the eternal interaction and friction of things. So uh, what I like too, also, which I thought was really cool, and it's such a cool idea, and that's the idea of the Georgia Guidestones. And... That, as you in your post you write, has brought uh, so much interest, especially from the conspiracy theory angle. What are these stones that have all these uh, sort of uh, common sense ethics and laws, and it's in all these languages, uh, including Sanskrit and others, and there's been so much speculation. But I love your idea that it's this is simply a sign when some of the homo divinos comes back so they know what's supposed to happen with civilization am i right oh exactly it was it was put together back in the uh late 70s early 1980s during the the height of the nuclear cold war where they had that that one I, i'm sure you remember it miguel um the, the, the day after Right, there was yeah, the nuclear yeah. war yeah, and the, yeah. you know and that was one of those that really impacted people but this was before that one and i'm sure there was fear that somehow he, you know among you know among the uh yeah you know, the people behind it were clearly you know, i've done some research so i know some more about that one but let's just say that it's uh, it's clearly you know in the whole masonic rosicrucian right. sort of circle thing that that that, that put it up there and it was a fear that somehow humanity, that, you know, that they wouldn't be, a, there wouldn't be a, enough of the, their people around to deliver the message. So they wanted to put it in their most indestructible way that they could. And the one on there that just freaks people out is that hundred million number for the, the, the global population. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. And, you know, and as, as I've sat there and, and, and said to everybody, that doesn't mean you have to kill a single person. 
all it means is you don't reproduce as fast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they always attribute it to something nefarious. It's like, no, no it doesn't need to be. It, it could, but it doesn't need to be. <laughs> Yeah, but that's going to take a while to get it down there. And yeah, I don't want, wonder why 100 million. Who knows? Uh, I have no idea why these things are. I have if no I idea why they chose. Guess, if, I, if I had my guess on the 100 million, it's because that was roughly about what they have with Homo divinus back before the whole big uh, population explosion. The population explosion the of Homo divinus. Of, of, of Homo sapiens. Oh, okay, okay. That was that was that was the number that they found, you know, most convenient to to, to work with with on a global number. That's my guess, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh well. Uh, yeah. And wonder. Do you explain why they put it in Georgia of all places? Oh, this one. I. I can actually. I can actually speak a little bit better to that one because uh, last. Uh, Last uh, that last uh, March, when you're having your uh, your conference this year, last March I I, I did a little uh, trip to the Georgia Guidestone just just to check them out. I had never been there, and it's uh-huh. one of those where they put them there because it's basically a very stable geological plate. It was easy to get the sort of granite that they wanted in the area. You know, one of the interesting things there is it you know it's not set on an ancient point of power because it just you can't feel any of that ancient power there but it is developing as a point of power from all the people going and you know you know investing you know investing in it in the modern day it's Uh interesting that way yeah it is interesting of all places yeah no the conference was is this year actually last year and uh yeah no i I went i went last year i was i was you know i was uh yeah, I, I was uh, referencing your conference from this year. Oh, okay, okay, awesome, awesome. Okay, yeah, I, I always wondered about that, but I think it's. But to be clear, so Homo divinus is not with us right now in any physical. There's uh, the the guidestone is for those that might come back from their exploring of uh, the galaxy, or is it like a reminder, like a. Well, no, the, it's it's basically it's definitely designed for when they come back if nobody's here to tell them, mm-hmm. and for when should some sort of disaster happen, people to piece things together afterwards, like sort of like the pyramids are. As pe- people are sitting there and realizing, huh, it's kind of built to the metric system. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, they, they, that was the idea on the Guidestones. As far as Homo Divinus around us, it it depends. Are you talking the soul that moves from body to body? Yeah, some of those are still around. They're in Homo sapiens type bodies. You just don't necessarily know what to look at them. Very cool, very cool. So for the audience that might want, that wants to check it out, uh, what is their address? Of course, I'll have it on the show notes or where they can find some of the more of these content that you're doing. I have uh, two subreddits that, that I write to. I'm, I, I haven't done a whole lot recently. I got a lot of research that I'm trying to coordinate. I've got a lot of explosive stuff that uh, just need to figure out how it all fits together before I go public with it. But it's, uh, it's on Reddit. It's, the subreddit is homo divinus. H-O-M-O 
D-I-V-I-N-U-S. And that's, uh, that, that, that's on Reddit. And I also do another one that's a little more of a modern social com- commentary, and that's uh, Love All Lives on Reddit. And I can be reached by email at uh, grampongstream at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get back to you as quick as I can. It, 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 sometimes it can be the next day. Sometimes it may be a week or so. Vance, uh, let me say goodbye to you, and thanks for keeping us company on this uh, fascinating journey. Oh, definitely fascinating. And uh, Graham, nice to, nice to uh, hear your viewpoints on the history of the planet and uh, interested in hearing more. Very Absolutely. Much. No, no. It's, what I'd like for people is just if you get on the, on the to Reddit, just tell me where you tell me how you think I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I need to, 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 to improve. It's not just that I'm wrong. Just explain how. Yeah. <laughs> Give me yeah. enough Zardoz. <laughs> Zardoz. Oh, I love Zardoz. It's I great. Love Zardoz. Great flick. Yeah. And a classic Gnostic flick, too. So, yep. Awesome. Well, Grandma is great uh, having a, a conversation here. And uh, we look forward to reading about Alexander. And we look forward to everything you do. And we look forward to the next time we can chat. Absolutely. You can't get to a second until you get the first out of the way. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Miguel. And there you have it. Grandpong taking down the Donkey Kong of so many false narratives and histories. Hopefully, we'll see a battle between Homo Divinus and Jason's Nordics in the future, unless they're the same entity. In our second part, Grandpong will relate Homo Divinus to mind parasites. What are some of their other powers? In the end, is Homo Divinus on our side? Grandpong will speculate of what's in Antarctica and what exactly is the mechanism of the Mandela effect. What are the plans of Homo Divinus for the fading American Empire and the rest of the world in these tense geopolitical times? We'll also have some fun with some comic book topics and the notion of foreskins for some reason. So please get the full show by becoming an AB Prime member or Patreon at Patreon or Red Circle subscriber. These days it will cost you less than a gallon of gas and you'll get eternal miles to find out who you really are and what reality is not. If you find value in this content, please help grow this Red Pill Cafeteria. Don't forget I have the merch store, Amazon wishlist, and ways to donate via PayPal or the snail mail. I've always kept costs low, and I ain't getting rich personally. That's why I do voiceover work, marketing, consulting, and writing to keep the lights on on my house and the prices affordable for thee. I truly appreciate those of you who support, and I hope more support alternative media in these Gnostic times. I'm done with shilling, so I'll simply say thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.